This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. Unholstered. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome on in here to Unholstered. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am just one of your hosts here on Unholstered. I represent the media side because, as you know, this show is all about the local media teaming up with our local police department here in Fort Wayne. And that's where my co-host comes in. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to Unholstered. Uh, we are bringing back part two of our last show. Um, there was just so much information we didn't get to. We thought it'd be best to bring our two guests back on. Yeah, we've actually brought back for you this week um, Sergeant Detective Matthew Wilson with the Homicide Division and Sergeant Detective Tim Hughes with the Homicide Division. We wanted to bring these fellows back in to continue to talk about our Homicide Division. Here within the Fort Wayne Police Department, it has grown exponentially um, under the leadership of Tim. Uh, in fact, when he came on board about three and a half years ago, um, and Matt came on board about six months ago to, to take the role of Tim. But um, when Tim came on board, there were about six detectives on the division, and there are now 10. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the future of the homicide division. Um, but first, I just kind of want to recap what we touched on last week. And don't forget, you can uh, download any previous episodes of Unholstered anywhere you can download a podcast. We talked briefly about the stats, the national averages, the clearance rates. We talked about how Fort Wayne was in the 82 percentile of clearance, where national average was in the 50s. We talked about um, just what the job entails, what the levels that we're doing, what changes we made. And I think we're going to move on from that. We're going to talk a little bit more with uh, Detective Sergeant Matt Wilson um, on just we were talking a little bit before the show about the national average. You said and what, yes. there were some unique things you were saying about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the approach we were taking before Tim got up there was good, but you can always improve things, especially if you're willing to put in the work. So what we what nationally that we see is crime especially the murder solvability rate in the country is going down, whereas the Fort Wayne Police Department is either maintaining or going up. Do we know why that is, why solvability is going down? You would think, I guess, with more technology and the more people who are joining forces, which maybe that's not the case actually right now, <laughs> uh, that solvability would be going up. Well, I think we I spoke to a little bit on the show before, and I think it's really community trust. And I think as we work really hard on the community relations side to build that trust with the community, it's showing up in these investigations mm. where people trust us with information to give to us that they know we're going to actually do something with. And that's why they're they're willing to give that to us. Um, it, now it's we have people volunteering to help us at times on some of these on some yeah. of these no cases. Kidding. Whereas before volunteer? people, well, they're volunteering information. information. Yeah. Um, where we're a lot of times you'd have to go and you'd have to talk to them and kind of convince them to give you the information. Now they're coming forward hmm. and like, hey, 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 come over see me. I'm I've surprised. got something. I, I, I would not have anticipated that. I would think it would be more of a you kind of got to draw it out of them sort of thing. Yeah, and that's the unique perspective that that procedural justice from the show, um, procedural justice is sexy. I think that's what we're seeing mm -hmm. here is the flip side to that. When we put in the work on that community level, we'll see that just make our numbers soar when it comes to trust and solvability. Kind of on that note, Sophia, I wanted you to touch on this, and maybe, Matt, you can too, on the last episode. We just didn't have time, like usual. Uh, but you brought up this app, the P3 app. So, yes, you can call Crime Stoppers and report tips and information that way. And I think everyone's really familiar with Crime Stoppers. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't think a lot of folks are familiar with this app. Yes. The app, since I've been up there in six months, I've, I've seen it used quite often, whether it be to report a homicide tip or drug tips or warrant tips. You can report whatever you need, and the beautiful thing about it is that it's at the tip of your fingers. It's on your phone. It's an app. Everybody has a phone these days, and everybody has the ability to download it, and the great thing is you can remain anonymous. So you can give all that information with us. We'll follow up on it. We check it every single day. We follow up and we can respond back on that same app. So is it like just a text conversation? Yeah, so it's a the app is called P3 Tips. You can download that, that it's free and then you could submit information and it goes directly and these guys get it and they do follow up on this thing. So you can do it anonymously. Um, and I think they even work some of the crime uh, stopper money into those tips if it, if it turns out to be something. Is this a relatively new resource? Yeah, we, I think it came on board last year. Yeah, the app is relatively new. Crime Stoppers is not. We've always sort of had that. Yeah. But the ability to report it is new, and we're always looking for different mediums to do that, and we've had good success with it. And if your tip does lead to the apprehension or you know, a, a suspect identification, there is a reward that could possibly be given to you for that information. Yeah, it's well. part of Crime Stoppers. You leave your tip, and then we follow up. And that's probably more so to protect it you know, anonymity of people because mm -hmm. pe it's really important to people. And that's, I think, has been a real big part of the success of the Crime Stopper program and now P3. Isn't it strange how people would rather, like, shoot a text message than make a phone call? Yeah, it is. And I think sometimes, you know, that's just people's uh, thoughts and I'll link it back to maybe conspiracy theories that were tracing calls and stuff. I'm like, we don't have time for that. We just don't have time for that. As Matthew mentioned uh, in the last show, you guys deal with about, on average, 41 homicide cases a year. I wanted to ask you, you both, just as something that Sophia and I always touch on here, and we try to you know, hammer home this point, is that you know, mental health is a really big part of the job. I feel like people think police officers are robots, uh, that it doesn't count. For, for them, um, but I just can't imagine some of the stuff y'all take home, or maybe you don't, I don't know. What, what's it like to work some of the scenes that you do and then go home to your wife or kids or, or your family? Well, I, I'm in a little bit of a, of a different situation because my wife's also a police officer. No so, kidding, yeah, so, okay. So she gets it, she, she goes to these crime scenes, she sees the same things. Uh, she and I are able to talk about stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that uh, Matt here goes home and shares the, the nasty details with it with his family like i'm able to yeah because she's she's seen it before and she understands so we have had conversations before we've talked through some uh tough stuff especially if it involved uh, uh small kids and and things like that but uh you you are correct you you take it home anyone who says they don't is lying yeah it's impossible not to take it home uh you just need to learn to compartmentalize right that. right and matt it, yeah it to cope with it so, like, if we had a bad day at work, what I do, and my wife knows if she sees this, she's like, let me give him a few minutes. I will take a walk. Hmm. So we, we have a 10-acre property. She'll look out the window, know I'm home, and she just gives me that time to kind of de-stress before I actually walk in those doors. Mm -hmm. So it's a separation from work to home. But you do take it home. You have to. We take this job very seriously. It's always on our mind. Uh, we want justice. What well, we can bring our justice from a law enforcement perspective to every victim. And we're always looking for ways and tips and new strategies to solve these cases. So to say we don't take it home would be a lie. We do. That's yeah. such a good point. I find when, when you're at least passionate about your job, and I'm not saying that everybody is, but yeah. you two gentlemen are sure. clearly very passionate. You chose this career path. You chose to be homicide detectives. 
I chose to do what I do. Of course, I go home and think about my yep. job all the time. Oh, I, it's always to. on the back of my mind. So you're, you're right. And I like what you said, Tim, and you were so honest. People who say they don't take it home and think about it, they're lying. And, and I don't want it to uh, seem like uh, it's just me and Matt. All, all of yeah. our detectives are very passionate, and it affects them, and they, and they take this stuff home, too. Um, uh, but that and, would probably be why you all have such a high success rate, though, when it comes to solving these crimes, right, is these detectives well, you sure. have Well, sure. I mean, team. if you had a, if you had a I don't care attitude, yeah. it's, well, we're not going to be able to work with that, and you're going to have to leave the unit. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. And it has happened. I mean, there are people that have come up, and it just was not for them. And they have left and that's okay yeah. it's not for everyone this is a this is a high speed it's a emotionally intelligent job not that policing in and of itself is not but this is just particular because of the heinousness of a lot of these crimes and a lot of them involve children and that's really tough to see repeated again and again and again and it's not just the scene these detectives have to go to autopsies. They have to view that autopsy. They have to be there for the, the doctor doing the autopsy to give him information, get information. And the things you see at that, um, it, it sticks in your mind forever, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you can't let it go. You just find a way to put it somewhere where you can deal with it as it comes. It and the problems that we have is when people don't deal with, with it when it comes and that ends up being where you see the alcohol abuse or the anger, um, the cynicism, all that stuff plays out because you're not flowing through these feelings that you have because you have nowhere to put them. And having a spouse that is an officer is helpful. Having a spouse that understands you need decompression time before you come home and walk through your door, that to take off that mask of the police you're wear um, and, and bring home who you are to your mm-hmm. family, that's so important. And some people have it, some people don't. And that's what we work on with mental health and trying get, to get people to understand that and move in that direction. What other elements are there that would make up a good uh, homicide detective? Obviously, being able to compartmentalize that, maybe have obviously a good good mental health structure. But what else makes a good homicide detective? Being uh, extremely flexible in mm-hmm. your uh, your hours, having that commitment to put, put the time in to the, the work, having uh, just communication skills, able to speak with people uh, from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Do you and your wife ever see each other? Occasionally. (laughs) I think she likes it that way. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She's a good person. What would you say then is the hardest part about the job? It's tough. Yeah. You know, somebody being murdered, it's a tough thing to deal with. Mm -hmm. So yesterday we had a scene and I had to give a notification to the mother Mm. Um, that her child passed away. So, you know, we see a lot of things, but seeing a mother cry to lose her kid, it it's tough. That's exactly that eats at you. Yeah, that's exactly what I would think. That notification, to, yep. to telling the family next of kin or whatever that they've lost a loved one. That is, I mean, that is just what I could never do your job. Yeah. Because you, you as the detectives actually deliver that information, right? Absolutely. It's it's painful. It's, it's a necessity. It's what we do. We do have chaplains that are available to go with us or more mm. senior homicide sergeants or detectives for that support system. But it's tough no matter who's there. We touched on a lot of the, the day-to-day in our last episode, which I'd encourage folks, again, who didn't catch it or didn't listen to it, to just download the podcast. You can download Unholstered anywhere you can download a podcast. But, Sophia, I know something that you specifically wanted to touch on, um, and I, I'm just curious to chit-chat about it, too, is just the future of the homicide division of the Fort Wayne Police Department, where it's going. So where is it going? 
Well, we've seen a lot of changes over the last three years and really good changes, but most what we've seen is just how we've attempted to keep up with technology. That is a huge thing moving forward that we're going to have to always keep up with. And I'm glad we have an administration and people with forethought to do that because not everyone ha- does does these things. Um, and just Tim had talked about his people, Matt had talked about his people, and just making sure that they're okay. And I think they both do a good job of that because their jobs are really tough. And just being able to be a good leader, identify where when your people need a break, like, hey, you need to go home. You need to get some mm-hmm. sleep. We got it. We'll take it. If we get something, we'll call you. Just being able to identify that and have that compassion for the people on your team and making that primary is important. Um, but I think as we move forward, we will see uh, maybe hopefully when we get some numbers back on our department with these new two hiring phases that we're going through, that we'll see more people added to the homicide more division. More than 10. I, I, w- I think it's warranted for sure. Um, because they don't always do, they don't just do homicides. They do critical shootings or critical deaths, not oh, traffic, not, not traffic. That. But if there's a stabbing, anyone that has life-threatening injuries, these pe- this division gets it. So it's not just people who, ha- who, have, who are deceased. They get victims that may be still alive but in life-threatening condition that maybe improve and maybe they succumb. It depends. Um, but they still work those cases as well. So um, they don't just work 41 cases. I, I just want to make that clear. And there's... All these shootings you see that go on and they're life-threatening, they're yeah, on that scene. I didn't realize that. Now I feel like you yeah. need a massive team. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to do it. And it's increasing. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're seeing these shootings going yeah. on and we're seeing some violent activity. And it, it, you know, we, we don't want to see it at all. I would, I would hope there would come a time when we didn't need to increase the numbers on that team. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, but we're not there yet. Are you able to pinpoint the why? For, I mean, is it primarily drugs and gang violence when it comes to homicides? Are you able to pinpoint the why? Oh, I mean, drugs drugs and gang uh, violence do make up a, a number of our homicides, but so do uh, we, we have a number of domestic-related mm-hmm. homicides every year. Um, I, the why, what motivates yeah. a drug dealer or a gang member to kill somebody, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And probably never will. Yeah, I, I think, think those I, are societal issues. I think issues. Other, other people have asked that question before. They're like, well, what what's causing all these homicides? I'm like, well, I, I think if we if we knew that, we'd be able to... We wouldn't have them, right? Right, we'd yeah. be able to fix it. Yeah. You know, you can throw out all the theories that you want, uh, you, you know, economics or systemic racism, right? But nobody has any idea why this is happening. It's just happening. I think, you know, we've talked on this show before about just societal problems and mm-hmm. how everybody wants to lay their problems at the feet of police. And, and it's the police that are at fault and the police that are doing things. But we're coming in on the tail end of this. We're not at the beginning of this. This is this is a breakdown in families. This is a breakdown in spirituality. This is a breakdown in just morality. And I think moving forward, how we fix this is we just become better human beings. Yeah. Amen, sister. This, I hate to bring this up, but did COVID have an impact on numbers? I mean, especially because you bring up domestics, uh, for example. And I just feel like with people being trapped in their homes, whether it be with abusive parents or an abusive spouse, did, did the numbers change? With no, it, no, no, it didn't. In fact, during the the like the first initial like uh, lockdown period, uh, you remember where it went from like two weeks to two years? Yes. And, you know, oh, yes. Um, I, I remember it quite well, actually. I try not to. During that first initial period, um, we had kind of a lull in. Homicide. And that was because maybe people then weren't out. Yeah, I think it was more underreporting than it probably was that it wasn't happening. I think we weren't having like uh, 
so so and so wasn't running into so and so at the club, mm-hmm. and then and then getting in a beef, and then going back to some uh, after hours club and shooting them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they just weren't uh, people who had uh, disagreements with with each other. They weren't interacting. So is it safe to say that would maybe be the one slight positive as homicide <laughs> rates went down? I mean, honestly, when well, it comes to know, COVID, uh, you know, eventually everything gets used to gets used to the the new norm yeah. for that time period, and and it started coming started right back, back up. Yeah. yeah, the only the only thing I noticed was when it first started, uh, it seemed like we we didn't have the number of homicides that we typically do. But like I said. It came. Right it came back, back around. Yeah. yeah, that didn't last long. Unfortunately, something Sophia and I always do, and we ask our guests, is just kind of the the number one biggest misconception about your jobs. Um, I always like guests to debunk that, and I fall into this all the time. I've got huge <laughs> misconceptions uh, about uh, different divisions within not just the Fort Wayne Police Department, just when it comes to law enforcement in general. So if you had to pick one, and you can both answer because it can be different, maybe it's the same. The number one biggest misconception about your job. My, can I tell you what mine is? And I know it's not true, but I'll yeah. give you that. These cases get solved in, you know, 24 hours with a cute little bow package yeah. on the end of it. That's what you always see on TV, right? The beginning of SVU starts with the case and then boom, it's solved by the end of the episode in 35 minutes. Yeah. You also see a lot of constitutional violations on those shows. Lot, yes. Lot, lot of, <laughs> Thank you for that. Too. You know, a lot of warrantless entries and improper yeah. seizure and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that. No, you're exactly right. It sounds like you already know that that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, But, I mean, are there other big misconceptions like that aside from the timeline? One of the misconceptions that a lot of people have is, is, is they think when, when, we, when we reach the trial uh, portion mm-hmm. of this journey that, that there's just going to be tons and tons of forensics, tons and tons of fingerprints, tons and tons of DNA. And, and, and sometimes you don't have that. Uh, and it's not a result of like incompetent police work. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the only evidence you have is a witness telling you what they saw. You know, and, and I, I think some people get really hung up on, oh, well, they didn't present any DNA or they didn't present any fingerprints or <laughs> so they're like they don't have any evidence. Well, a witness testifying to what they saw, th- their testimony is evidence. Yeah, you know? that's a really good point. We get that. And I actually have shot Sophia a couple of real-life texts and emails that I get from listeners on my show. Why didn't the police do X? Why didn't the police do Y? You know, why didn't we get uh, a sentence for this? Didn't the police do, you know? And she always responds to me, hey, Kayla, we didn't have this. And that's usually a lot of the times. It's just, it's simply not there. You don't have the DNA. You don't have the fingerprints. And so that's a really good point. People are always wanting the CSI effect. Yeah. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And then to speak to that point about why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that, a lot of times we have done that. We did do mm-hmm. that. You just don't hear about it. You don't it, hear about it. And you don't see it in court. So a lot of these things, generally we'll get people telling us how to do our job. We know how to do our job. That the would, best oh, detectives. I could not do that. That would right. frustrate me yeah, to no end. It seems like people know how to do your job better than you know mm-hmm. how to do it. But mm-hmm. I, I can assure you that we're doing everything we can. But they won't sign up and join us. Right. They're just gonna, they just want to tell us. I always tell people, you want to come do my job? <laughs> yeah, we're hiring. Have a seat for Come on hours. over. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, those are a few of the things that I've noticed as well. So, Tim, I know you've got a promotion coming. Um so what's happening with you guys? We're, we're, try, well, we're trying to get to this theme of moving forward. We're slowly getting there. It's more of a it's more of a transition than a promotion. I'll be I'll I'll keep my rank as a sergeant. Okay. Um, but I'll be leaving the homicide unit here in a couple months and transitioning into the new role as the EST commander, the SWAT commander. So then, where does that leave you, Matthew? Yeah. So I'm going to take what Tim's trained me the past six months, and I'm going to keep implementing that. 
using that same formula, and then we're going to bring up a second sergeant to replace Tim's departure. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you didn't catch the episode with Lieutenant Kevin Zelt, who is a uh, EST commander, please do so. It was a really, really, really good show. He's a remarkable person. I have no doubt Tim's going to do a remarkable job as well. Um, and then we can have him back on the show as the EST commander, and he oh, can give us fun. all the information we didn't get from Kevin. Okay. Forgive me. <laughs> this could be a really dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You've got sergeant detectives and then just detectives. What's the difference when it comes to the homicide division? Sergeant's a supervisor. Okay. Um, See, dumb question. Told you. <laughs> but that's not to take away from from those detectives. Uh, they're, and and I wouldn't mind saying that uh, me, Matt and I have been sitting here talking, kind of being the voice in the in the face on radio. As, <laughs> sure, uh, there's no face here. <laughs> as homicide, but really a lot a lot of the success and. And just a tremendous amount of work and, and effort is is by our team, mm -hmm. our, our detectives. They have been absolutely fantastic to work with. Um, they've done everything I've asked. They've never pushed back. Um, and and they, they do their job, and they do it well, and they do it with a full heart, too. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here's the thing. Tim and I supervise. We lead this group. But without them, we wouldn't have the success that we have. These guys don't have to be over here in this division. They want to be. They could be doing something else, doing a lot less work, but they choose to be here. It's an intrinsic thing that they want to mm -hmm. do, just like we want to be here. They want to be here. Well, we don't have to, mm -hmm. right? So we depend on them. They are the people that do the work. You don't see them. You hear from us, but you don't, you don't see them, and they're putting the real work in. We started last week, we were talking about uh, particularly Tim and kind of how he's changed the division over the last three, three and a half years. How do you feel, Matt, stepping into this role and stepping into his shoes? Pretend he's not sitting right beside you Yeah. answer that question. No, I'm going to pretend he is actually sitting beside <laughs> me because I want to give him the highest praise. I think Tim's a leader. Everybody looks at him like that. I think yeah. he's implemented some great changes. I want to continue that. And the good thing is he's right next door to me, so if I still need help, oh. he'll be there. But to say this, there are big shoes to fill. Yeah. But I'm up to the task. I want to do it. I've been trained well, and I'm going to continue the success that Tim's had. Yeah, you can hear the passion as these two talk yeah. about what they do and then the passion for their team. And I, that's what I want to assure people in this community that you have police that care. You have police that are dedicated. It's you have a police. Special, I feel like that are rare thing. Yeah, they're just, I'm going to say it, they're burning themselves out yeah. for this community because um, that's, that's literally what's happening. And we've seen it time and time again. Um, but they're willing to do that because they love this community. They want a safe community for everyone. This isn't just, I want it for this neighborhood over here or this neighborhood over here. They're doing it for the whole entire city. And they're amazing. They're amazing to watch. And I extend my full credit to everything that happens to, to all those officers on the front line doing what they do. Uh, just to carry on what, what Matt was saying, as far as uh, he, he feels about re replacing me and following following in my shoes, I'm kind of in the same position with the transition I'm making to replace uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Zelt in his role. Those are some shoes for yeah. me to try and follow. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little intimidated, too, uh, with the new role that I'm going to be taking on. And uh, But Lieutenant Zelt's still going to be on the department and there to assist me in transitioning to that new role. Now, as far as Matt taking over the unit, I am completely and totally comfortable with turning it over to him he's we've been working together for six months now uh probably be seven or eight months by the time i actually leave and uh we talked about this the last episode i think that matt interviewed to be yeah one of our regular detectives when i first went up there 
and I'll be honest with you, I loved him. I was going to. He even said you remembered him. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to bring him up. The only problem was we knew he was going to get promoted two months from then, and he would then have to leave the unit and go back out. Just just the way the department yeah. works, he would have to go do a different job. So it would have been a waste of, of time. And what I remember specifically about that interview was when we interviewed him, he actually flipped it around and started interviewing me. And, That's a good quality, and, Matt. And, I knew I liked you. Yeah. I knew I liked and you. And he asked me, he said, how do you measure success? And I was mm. like, okay, I love this guy. What was your answer? Uh, in the homicide unit, mm-hmm. how do we measure success? Yeah. That's a great question. We measure uh, success based on the number of, of cases that we're able to clear or... If we're not able to clear it, have we left the family uh, believing that we have brought it as as close to conclusion as legally possible? Mm. Something I really want to wrap with here, Sophia, that you mentioned, and we've had on a previous episode called Procedural Justice is Sexy, which, by the way, is the number one downloaded podcast. Yes, so listen to it. Uh, So listen to it. But. You mentioned community, and you mentioned that these guys are passionate. All of the detectives, obviously, on the homicide division, passionate. So far, every guest that you've brought in, just oozing passion for their career. But something that just really stuck out to me from procedural justice is sexy. Y'all live in the community, too. And I feel like that gets lost on people, that gets lost on the public, that you want what's best for the community, too. Yeah, because it's best for us. Right. It's best for our families. It's best for our friends to have a safe community. And that's this is what we do. This is our job. This is literally our job is to make this community safer and better for everyone. And come on board. Not maybe not as a police officer, but as a collaborator and help us do that. You know, make those community ties. Don't be afraid to come up and talk to us or give us information. If you have a problem with something we've done, Let's work it out. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what the problem was. And it may be a misunderstanding, a miscommunication. It happens all the time. But let's work it out. And let's not be adversaries. Let's be collaborators. Well, truly, guys, I said it uh, last week when we had you on for part one um, about this this segment, about this topic of the homicide division within the Fort Wayne Police Department. I just admire both of you for what you do. I could not do it. Um, for a whole host of reasons, which um, spare that topic for another day. But truly, from me to you, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad that you do what you do. Now, Sophia, I know you're normally the brains uh, behind the topics that we do here <laughs> on Unholstered, um, but can we bring someone back to answer all of our constitutional carry questions? Because we have so many of them, I don't even know where to start. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. We talked about that before, and yeah. it's definitely something we can do. Yeah, we, we spent a couple of uh, weeks with these guys, which, again, if you missed the first episode uh, with these two, definitely go check it out on the uh, Unholstered podcast. You can download it anywhere you can download a podcast. Your town, your teams, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.